This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. We were engaged at about seven months of being together. I told him, please, please, please don't propose to me while you're married. You know, I started to question some of the things that he had told me about his previous relationship. Obviously, the things that he would tell me, I would have no choice but to pretty much believe, which looking back is probably when I should have walked. Well, you know what they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. Hey, what's up? It's Abby for The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. If you're new around here, this is the podcast podcast that uncovers those messy breakup stories that you've always thought about asking about but never really had the guts to. And I do the investigative work and bring you all the hot gossip and the lessons along the way. So whether it's maybe a breakup story that you saw on TikTok and you want more deets on or it's that girl you went to college with who got divorced after like a year, all those breakup stories are fair game. And if you want to submit one, there's a submission form in the episode description. And as always, if there's a certain part of the interview that you would like to jump to, timestamps are always kept in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in. This week, I got a submission about a guy who was married and then got engaged to someone else like immediately after. But before we get into all that, um, hello, wanted to give a thank you to everybody that showed up to the very first live Breakup Breakdown brunch. If you didn't go, I, I know like obviously if you don't live in Atlanta, it's hard to get there. Or if you were out of town or just couldn't make it, but I'm serious now to give you FOMO, but you missed out because we had the best time. I was so excited to, to meet everybody, have some good brunch, and also we had a really fun live breakup podcast. Just to kind of paint a picture for you, we had Romeo from The Burt Show come up and talk about his breakup that is still going on, which if you were there, you know. And it was so fun, obviously, to get to do a live interview and have everyone be there for it, but also it was such a blast to have the audience jump in and like ask the questions that I didn't think of or give Romeo a little bit of a hard time because um, like I said, the breakup is still going on. So I hope we can do another one soon. Maybe something more casual, like, I don't know, a, a happy hour where we can all just gossip together. But I definitely want to do something in the future because this was definitely a blast. Also on every episode of the Breakup Breakdown, we give a little shout out to a different domestic violence shelter throughout the country just to, you know, raise awareness and let you know how you can help out if you feel called to do so. This week, we're giving a shout out to Favor House of Northwest Florida. They're a certified domestic violence center in the Florida Panhandle. And as always, you can check out those details in the episode description. So let's finally get into this week's episode. So I got a submission that mentioned that, you know, there's a guy married with a kid and all of a sudden got engaged and married to somebody else, like very rapidly. You know, the first relationship, the divorce timeline, kind of unclear, but you know, I don't have kids, but I can imagine jumping into another relationship is not something that you would want to take lightly. And so the fact that it happened quickly is what the submission is saying is 
is interesting. You know what I mean? Like, did the relationship start while they were married? And, you know, maybe it was a situation that he was escaping. I don't know. We don't have the details. But anyway, after he gets married for the second time, he ends up getting divorced years later to that chick. And now it's like, okay, two divorces in two years. What happened the first time around? And also with the second relationship too, like what's going on there? You know, why leave the mother of your child and break up your family, which I don't think is a decision anybody should take lightly. And then, you know, have a second relationship that doesn't end up working out. You know, for me, like I would be more determined to make that relationship work if I was going to leave that situation. So let's get all the details and find out what happened when we break down this week. You know, what's really awkward talking about sex on an ad read, you know, your family's listening to, but you know, it's even more awkward having bad sex. And you know what? If you want to start having better sex immediately, the best way to get started is to go to adamandeve.com right now. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and you can get free shipping, which includes rush processing. So you can start having that better sex ASAP. And that's not all. When you select your one item, you'll also get a free sex kit that includes an item for him, a special toy for her and something we know you will both enjoy. Better sex is just a click away. That's 50% off one item, a three item sex kit, six free movies, free shipping with rush processing and free shipping with rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com, select any one item and enter offer code Abby, A-B-B-Y at checkout. That's Abby, A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast. So be sure to use this code. That's code Abby. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is what I've been talking about in therapy recently. Sometimes it just feels like there are just simply not enough hours in the day. And if you had one more hour to do something for you, what would you do? Your knee-jerk reaction like me would be to do something somewhat productive. You probably need therapy, also like me. I spend a lot of time shoving my emotions and feelings down because honestly, I don't like feeling uncomfortable with all those negative emotions. And therapy has been a helpful tool for me to stop doing that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash B-U-B-D to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash B-U-B-D to get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash B-U-B-D. U-B-D. Breakup. All right. So we met on Tinder, actually. So we had matched. We talked for a few days and then we went on our first date. Um, I remember he picked me up. He even brought me like a Red Bull on the first date. Um, it was very, very sweet. I really, really enjoyed our first date. And one of the things that kind of really kind of won me over was that he shared his food with me. Um, that was a big deal. Uh, so we kind of just spent that night just hanging out together. And I just remember feeling like I wasn't nervous. It felt like home. It felt like that cliche thing that happens when you just know. So take me through the relationship. So how long do you date before you start to have issues? Honestly, I mean, looking back, there were issues in the beginning. There was some things that you know, definitely popped up as maybe some red flags, but, you know, more pink back then. You know, there was a little bit of, you know, jealousy, you know, what can be construed as maybe a little controlling. But, you know, after a little bit of time, that kind of, you know, dissipated as far as those aspects. So, it, you know, kind of just kind of 
tapered out, if you will. I think we got more comfortable in the relationship and, you know, some of that stuff just went away. You know, there wasn't like anything abnormal. Um, you know, I when I met him, I was in school. I was I had a second job and a full time job. Um, so I was pretty, you know, kind of I mean, I was living at my parents, but I was pretty independent and kind of on the go. Um, rarely was ever at home. Things moved pretty quickly for us. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that he has a daughter. Um, she was two and a half at the time and I didn't meet her right away. That was something that we held off on for a few months. And but it was, you know, prefaced to me pretty heavily that you know, the expectation was there for me to be involved um, in a parental figure kind of manner. That was something that I definitely had to give a lot of thought to because I do not want children. And I was very vocal about that in the very beginning. However, I mean, that wasn't an issue that he had a child. The only issue there or question I had was, did he see her? Did he take care of her? Did he spend time with her? And so that was pretty much it. Uh, and then in the beginning too, of course, you know, in the first few months, you know, we kind of start to add each other like on social media and things like that. So, you know, kind of looking through some of that stuff, you know, I started to question some of the things that he had told me about his previous relationship, the one with the mother of his child. Um, so when I met him, they were still legally married but I was told they had been separated for about a year. And so I questioned like, well, why isn't things kind of moving along there? And he kind of said, you know, with the kid aspect, you know, I really feel more comfortable with her kind of filing the divorce paperwork. Um, And we've talked about that and she's gonna kind of take care of that. So I was like, okay, you know, makes sense. I very much was led to believe that, you know, she was capable of like keeping, you know, his kid from him and, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, There wasn't always, you know, the greatest picture painted, um, which of course I didn't have any interaction with her. So it wasn't something that I necessarily could counter. Like I I wasn't sure, I kind of went off what he said. So when I would question some of these things about timelines and, you know, situations, I mean, obviously the things that he would tell me, I would have no choice but to pretty much believe, um, which looking back is probably when I should have walked. But, you know, he was very, very adamant about starting to date and be official, like on our first date, which I did find a little off-putting. I'm very avoidantly attached. So, you know, if somebody comes on like too strong, usually I'm like, okay, I'm going to avoid this. But with him, it was just a very comforting, I did share a lot of things with him from a previous, you know, a bad relationship. And I think that might have been a little bit of a mistake too, um, giving him some information about, you know, my trauma, my kind of stuff, I think was very much used to manipulate me. I look back and I think about, you know, really great parts of our relationship. You know, he was supportive, you know, and he was just kind of always available, like if I needed help and, you know, things like that. Really did believe that he was being a good husband. So everything's pretty much great, but there's just some red flags of this wife still being in the picture. And it doesn't really seem like that status is going to change anytime soon. Yeah, it definitely felt like based on what he had told me that the length of separation and then I kind of find out that she really actually only moved out of their apartment, you know, maybe a couple months before I met him. But, you know, that was, you know, some excuse about her parents' house, something about it being renovated and she had to wait to move in, you know, stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, you know, reasonable. I understand like you, you know, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen like overnight. And yeah, so just kind of little things like that, that I was just like, okay, you know, immediately it hits me as 
mm, that's not right. But, you know, he was able to explain it, if you will. If I was in your position and I completely have empathy because I get we have feelings for someone. It's so much easier said than done to just be like, he's literally married. What is happening here? But how did you balance that with the rest of your relationship? Do you eventually get to a point where you're like, we've been together six months, buddy, and your divorce has gone nowhere. What's happening here? Oh, no, it took only a a few months by the point. I mean, we met end of August and divorce paperwork was filed like early December. I mean, I'm, I can't lie. I was definitely a pusher of, hey, like what's going on here? Like what's going on? So he did ask her about it. Um, and he told me that it was something to the effect of she wasn't really sure what she had to do, you know, the steps, the process, that kind of a thing. You know, myself being very much naturally, you know, hopping in to be helpful, which I've recognized as a big pattern of mine. I was like, oh, well, here, I pretty much have now, you know, made the court website, you know, knowledge, like I have, I know it like the back of my hand, here's the paperwork, here's what you guys have to do. And they went and did it. And so you you literally assisted them in their divorce. Yes, yes, I did. In more ways than one. More ways than one. So they were amicable about it. They did like a consent decree. So it was, you know, pretty easy. They just kind of submit the paperwork, wait the 60 days for it to be signed off on, and then all said and done. So they were officially divorced by the next March of 2017. And then at that point, we were engaged a month later. Oh, wow. So your relationship moved pretty quick. Oh, yeah. We were engaged at about seven months of being together. Is there a reason why it moved that quick or were you just so sure about him? I I was definitely felt very sure. I still think that it was a little fast. I just remember him asking, you know, if that were to be something that would happen, like how long after, you know, because I, I, I told him, you know, early on, I was like, please, please, please don't propose to me while you're married. Like I I cannot and I will not. (laughs) So I remember he had asked me at one point about, you know, timeline. And I was like, I don't know, like give it a month. Like, and that was kind of more so like a joke. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, pretty much almost to the, a month to the day. Um, A lot of that was really fueled and perpetuated the quickness and the intensity um, by him. Gotcha. And do you have a theory for why that quickness, why he did want to move it along so quickly? I think that he's a deeply insecure man. And I think that he has more of like an anxious attachment, which of course I'd like to make sure that everyone knows I am not qualified to diagnose anyone or anything like that. I feel because like that's kind of how it was. He was very, you know, talk all day, text all day, want to talk on the phone all night, which, you know, is really super exciting and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, that that's not going to like last and that's not going to be the norm. Right. But it was a little like draining just, you know, because that's not super my personality. So, yeah, I think I was definitely sure about him. But I, I think a lot of it had to come from that intensity of him being on top of that aspect of it. You know, it was about three months in before I met his daughter. um, And I really let that relationship develop naturally. I think a lot of my not wanting children is my childhood experience and just knowing what kind of responsibility, you know, children and raising them are. Really not wanting to, you know, as it may sound impede my life and my freedom. Um, 
But in this situation, it was almost kind of like best of both worlds because we had her, you know, eventually 50% of the time. So we had that opportunity to have time alone and to do our own things and then, you know, have our like family time together. Um, So that worked out, you know, really well for me. You know, I, I struggled with it sometimes because I think I felt at certain points that it was obvious that the balance of the parental responsibilities was weighing pretty heavily on me. You know, I mean, I wasn't necessarily easy in my struggling of trying to navigate how to be a step parent, um, what that looks like, what it's supposed to look like. I was constantly adding more to myself to make sure that things were getting done and properly instead of holding him accountable. So then I would get upset or let it kind of fester. And then I would end up like exploding in some fight at some point. And that was a big point of contention because being avoidant, like one of my big things is to find out or figure out how I can get out of the situation as quickly as possible. And one of those things was to, you know, I want a divorce. I can't do this, which, you know, Obviously, a logical, rational person would know that divorce is not the easiest way out of anything. <laughs> it's that feeling of, of you know, a couple of things like, well, if you're going to leave me, just do it, you know, kind of thing. Um, I won't be shocked at this point or I'm expecting it. Or, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a test like, are you going to leave me? Are you going to do this? And he never did. He never you know it was always something that he would either kind of smooth over and now that i think about it you know we never really talked about the 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 fights or things it was always kind of more of just apologies and just being okay so holidays come you know all of that kind of stuff and then i had a little bit of a depression around christmas when we went on like a family trip and i just remember being very exhausted and sleeping a lot and feeling very, very distant with him. And then, you know, we move into the new year and it just kind of starts to feel like he's, when he gets home, like I'm standing there, he kisses me, but it feels very, um, I don't know, lackluster, if you will. Like, it's just very much like, does not feel the same. It's, it's just off. Um, so I started asking, you know, like, oh, like, kind of feels like you don't want to kiss me. And he's like, no, that's not it at all. Um, I'm like, okay. Also, like, sex was a big thing. That kind of was not so great the past few years, um, which I had attributed to being at my parents. But then when we moved into the house, like, that kind of, you know, whatever. I mean, there's some other portions that I don't know if I necessarily want to talk about. Let's just say that our lifestyle in that department while we were married that really never presented a problem, um, at least not during the marriage. So it just kind of was like lacking. And then I always questioned it. I was always wondering like why. And it just it just wasn't. So, of course, I consult my friends and they're like, well, you know, that's just kind of what happens with marriage. Like you get busy, like it's not something. So then I was like, okay, well, maybe we just pick a day and we make it the day so that like we're both prepared for it. Uh, That never actually got implemented or off the ground. (laughs) So, you know, there was things that I would try to kind of bring us back together or, you know, try to, you know, kind of connect better. Um, He worked a lot, which was something that, you know, I kind of felt like I wasn't allowed to complain about. I think that he very much had the mentality of like, oh, if he provided financially and he showed up every day, (laughs) that that was pretty much the extent 
to fulfilling his obligations to his family. That's very much how I felt. You know, I'm asking these things. He's telling me that it's work, you know, work's really stressful, this and that. Um, It's going to get busy. So I kind of stop, you know, asking. I'm like, you know what? Maybe he's right. I'm overthinking. He's telling me that that's not what's going on. So my feelings are are wrong. At the point where everything kind of started to come to a head was one day I came home from work. And it's kind of funny because um, have you listened to Rolling Up the Welcome Mat by Kelsey Ballerini? So the day that that dropped, I listened to it at work and it was a Friday. And I just remember thinking, oh God, this sounds like my relationship. And I just like, I was just kind of like, oh, but it's, you know, a great album. So like, you know, like when you're in a relationship and you're in love or, you know, at least you think so. And, you know, you don't really relate to like those kinds of songs because that's not what's going on. And so when I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I get home that day. I'm in a great mood. It's Friday. I'm getting home. We don't have a daughter this weekend. And he's actually home before me which I'm like, holy, wow, okay. He's playing video games and I get there and he doesn't say anything to me and he does not acknowledge me. And so I kind of wait a few minutes. I go like kind of into the bedroom, come back out. And then I wait like 15 minutes and nothing because I'm thinking, oh, I'll give him some time to like take a break and come say hello. And when he didn't, I kind of went over to him and I was like, hey, like, is this what you're going to do tonight? And he was like, well, I don't know. Um, Like why? And I was like, Oh, I'm just curious, like, you know, all trying to figure out, you know, what the plans are for tonight. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the movies. And he was like, okay, what are you going to go see? And I don't know, I spouted off whatever the first movie was I could think about because I really hadn't thought about going to the movies until that very moment. So he was like, okay, like, have a great time. And then, like, he went back to doing what he was doing. And I thought, okay, no kiss, like, no goodbye, like, no nothing. Like, it was weird like really weird. Plus there had been some other behavior that had transpired over the last couple of weeks that definitely like hit me like in shock. But I think at that point I was probably really already deeply into the checkout process because I was forcing myself to not interact. I was forcing myself to believe that what I thought was going on was not going on. And so that night, you know, we end up fighting and what I am understanding is behavioral reaction to, you know, not being emotionally regulated. So I tell him like, yeah, I don't want to come home to you either. Like it feels like a, you know, roommate situation. Like, um, because that's how it feels like he's been towards me. Like it's always felt like in that period of time, if I got close to him, if I tried to like lay my head on his lap, like it was just, I could feel his wanting me to go away. I could feel it. And so I would just kind of like retreat to my room and just kind of spend the night in there. And, you know, we rarely talked. So when that kind of fight happened, you know, I told him, I was like, I, if you want out, just tell me that you want out. Like, if that's what you want, like, why don't you just tell me? We end up kind of taking a break and like from talking. And he says that he's going to go and for a drive. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. He's gone. He comes back. He comes into the bedroom, grabs his pillows and goes out to the couch. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. Normally we would be making up right now. Like this is a little strange. So I kind of don't say anything. I can be a little stubborn. And I end up texting him that night and was like, hey, like I didn't expect you to sleep on the couch. That's never happened. We've never spent the night away from each other, even in the same house. I mean, we've had to like for different things, but like 
we're in the house. The next morning I wake up and I hear him out in the living room kitchen and I go to open my door and he's coming at me with like a cup of coffee. So I'm like, oh, okay, here we are. We're, we're making up like everything's going to be fine. I go to hug him and he side hugs me. And then I look up and like he moves his face to like look straight. So like I'm looking at him like this, but his face is straight. And I'm like, I love you. And he goes, I love you too, which we don't say too when we say that. It's always like, I love you more or I love you most. And so I kind of start to back up and I'm like, okay, this is very strange. And so he basically proceeds to tell me that he's going to accept my divorce and that he doesn't want anything to change that, you know, we'll figure things out, like living in the house, nothing needs to change for his daughter. Okay. And so I asked him, I was like, can we work on our marriage? Because mind you, at this point, like we've never had a conversation that said, Hey, like we're in trouble. I'm feeling this way or whatever the case is. I mean, I think there was maybe one or two times that I could see the hurt that I caused him by things that I would say during fights. But for the most part, like, and when I say this to you, I really believe that like, it was never really brought to me as an issue. I mean, should I have probably perceived that? Yeah, because you can't just say what you need or what you want to say and, you know, potentially hurt people's feelings and just expect that, right? You know, but I was also in a, a time where I was one of those people who thought, oh, my childhood trauma didn't affect me. Like I'm good, you know? And then you find out it manifests in certain ways, you know? So he's kind of telling me like, you know, you're the way that you treat me or you talk to me, like it's, you know, abusive and we're enabling each other. And, you know, he's like, you call me lazy. And I'm like, okay, like, so it's the way I say things, not necessarily what I'm saying, because also throughout the divorce process, like he kind of ended up admitting like, yeah, like I got really lazy, like I lost myself. And I'm like, okay, so I just wasn't properly motivating you, I guess. <laughs> and he's right. He would absolutely enable me. Like I was not healthy physically. I was not healthy mentally. And he definitely was not a partner. He was not somebody who encouraged me to do the right things or, you know, put me on any kind of pressure. From what I understand, he walked on eggshells for the entire relationship, always afraid to upset me, thinking I was going to blow up our life by saying that I wanted a divorce and things like that. I can understand that. What I don't understand is how he figured the solution was to blow up our life. <laughs> but um, so when I ask him if we can work on our marriage, he tells me that he needs to think about it. And I think that triggered something in me that said, that's scary. That sounds and looks like abandonment. And I don't want any part of that. So it took about 24 hours before I kind of lost it and said, I sat him down and I was like, look, like, I don't want to take this away from you. But in the same sense, like, if you have to think about if you want to work on our marriage, then it's a no for me. Like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. I absolutely have no reservations about wanting to work on our marriage. Like, I feel like this is the first time I'm getting any kind of real sense of something is really, really wrong, which, you know, I can look back and think, oh, well, I was in some kind of false delusion or something. But I mean, that is also perpetuated by him. The things that he was saying to me, the fact that I trusted this person to be honest with me. And that's what I really needed was honesty, being able to make decisions based on what my partner is telling me and knowing that that's true. So I trusted him in that manner that when he's telling me these things, 
I'm like, okay. And I, and he, I told him, I said, you know, I can't promise you that I'm going to stop doing those things. I said, am I going to work on that? Absolutely. But like, I can't, I don't even know what or why I do that. So I definitely can't hold out for that idea if that's what you're going to base your decision off of. When you say doing those things, what specific things would he have wanted you to work on that you were unsure if you were capable of of fixing? The words, the things that I say when I'm angry, like you wanting a divorce, kind of pushing back on, it all has to do with kind of running away, indicating that I don't want anything to do with this. This isn't my problem. I don't want this. And like I said, you know, repeatedly saying that to somebody, which it's confusing too to me, even still now, because I swear not not six weeks to eight weeks before we decided to get a divorce, he was standing in our kitchen telling me how like we never fight. We were talking about how much we loved our house. And, you know, there were even times where he would make comments about like, you know, there's so many things that you just don't get upset about anymore that like used to be like a big deal. And like, I always remember feeling like really happy and proud because I know, like I've recognized those things too. Like my friends, my family, like they all have said the same things. Childhood trauma like can manifest where I can be, I can melt down over very small things, things that really don't matter, things that most people just go with the flow on. Um, But then more chaotic situations, I'm right there thriving, which is not normal in that sense. You know, I can understand that more of communication, more of things that I needed. I do think that I was trying to communicate what I was needing and what I was wanting, but it was hard when he would kind of push back because he was always trying to list the things that he was doing. So like, for example, the entire time we had been together every single day that wasn't like a weekend or that we were off together, he would text me every morning. You know, every morning I would get like a love text and things like that. But you also have to understand that eventually it's the same thing. It's the same words. It's repetitive. Um, There's not a whole lot of specialness to that anymore. And like I said, he I started to realize that he views that as like, that's not how I need to be loved. I didn't really grow up with a lot of like affection. So physical touch is not my thing. I didn't grow up with a lot of words of affirmation. So it's actually hard for me to give that back. And so I knew that I kind of had to work on that, but he also acted as somebody who didn't really like to get praise, kind of even had at one point told me how uncomfortable he was with it. When And then also when you do give somebody praise and they kind of were like, oh, maybe to you or, you know, that kind of thing. And they're negative about it, like towards themselves, like, it almost kind of deters you from giving them compliments because you're you don't want to bring that insecurity out in them by bringing up something good. And that happened quite a bit with us. So basically kind of what I'm gathering from the demise of your relationship is really what ultimately led to the end was you guys having different attachment styles that didn't gel well and also not speaking the same love language, which are all things you can work through. But if there's no communication of how to fix it and recognizing that there's something that should be fixed, it's going to end in a situation like this. Right. So in the first week of our separation, I was very much in the mentality of this is all my fault. I caused this. And everybody around me was very, very upset. They were very, very confused. They were very shocked. And they were like, well, why aren't you guys working on it? And I said, look, everybody has 
has their point, right? They have their line. And, you know, yeah, maybe he should have communicated to me a little bit better, but I did those things. Like, that's on me. Like, so it was more of, you know, taking the accountability. You know, I had already had a regular therapist, so I was, you know, in a meeting with her pretty quickly. Then I started trauma therapy in about a month because I realized that, you know, my childhood trauma was definitely manifesting. And I had started to figure that out over the course of living in the house, um, which I did verbalize to him. So, I think that there was a lot of of stuff that he just wasn't listening to me anymore, or maybe not at all. So about a week in, um, actually it was a few days in, I caught part of a conversation that he was having that kind of started to make me suspect that there was more to what was going on. And mind you, like my best friend was the only one who came to me to my face and was like, are you sure that like nothing's going on with somebody else? And I was like, no, are you crazy? Like that is ridiculous. Like I think I even was very kind of upset um, that she would kind of bring that to me because I was very much like absolutely not that that's just not what he would do. Like, I know he wouldn't do that. So, you know, when I heard this conversation, of course, you know, my intuition is like, oh, shoot. A couple of days later, I find out that I was in fact right, that he had been messaging and speaking to a coworker a few, at least a couple of, like at least a month that I could track before our separation. But he was literally what I believe um, on a date with her within five days of our separation. And I got lied to a lot. I even asked him, you know, directly like, oh, while we're living in the house, like, do you really or do you think that like, are we going to be dating other people? Like, and he's like, oh, it's not even a thought. And I'm like, okay. So when I had seen some of the text messages and he had tried to tell me that it just started, that there was nothing before. And I know that's not true because I had already seen some things that I didn't talk about yet. At that point in throughout the divorce, I kind of already knew things that I knew. And I kind of just let him pretty much hang himself with lies. Um, and it was very disappointing. It was very hurtful to realize how far it kind of went back because I had also uh, connected with his first ex-wife after we separated. Um, and when I told her and I said, I'm I'm just calling to let you know that, you know, we're getting a divorce and he didn't feel the need to tell you. But since, you know, your daughter is going to be affected by this, I want you to be aware. One of the first things out of her mouth, besides I'm so sorry, um, I'm surprised it lasted this long. And don't be surprised if there's not somebody else because he doesn't move on unless there's somebody else. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And of course, through more conversation, I find out she tells me that he was texting her inappropriately after they were separated, still trying to hook up with her while he was with me. He had told her, she had asked him like, don't you have a girlfriend? And he said, um, oh no, we're not exclusive. It's not that serious. <laughs> and I just- Are you she, mad that she didn't tell you when that happened? Or do you think she really felt like, oh, he's being truthful about it not being exclusive? You know what? I believe her and I, did think about that but at the same time she did not owe me anything from the point of the divorce and how i saw who he really was throughout that process knowing that a lot of our our situation or both of our situations were very parallel i believe that she made the best decision not to you know warn me because 
she knows how he is. She knew how he was going to, she, she definitely deals with him differently than I dealt with him. Um, they have a kid that's a little bit of a different, you know, element to it. So she has to deal with him. Her approach is, is very different than mine is. I think that hers probably works really well for her. I, no, I'm, I don't blame her at all. I, I absolutely don't. I think that if I were in her shoes, I probably would have done the exact same thing. I would not have wanted to bring more trauma onto myself for that situation. You know, with all of that being said and finding that out, um, that was really devastating. I mean, to, to feel that betrayal, I spun. I can't even describe to you how painful that was. It's one of those things too, where I just, I don't understand the dishonesty. I don't understand why I couldn't have just been told, especially when I was asking. I definitely can handle things a lot better, you know, being told the truth and having that moment of being able to understand and being calm other than finding out from other people. You know, then it kind of reminded me of a couple instances with Snapchat that I kind of had thought, you know, he was talking to people. But now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I really do think that it was probably an on and off thing throughout our whole relationship. As I said, I, I think that he needs to seek external validation from multiple sources. Maybe, I don't know, that's just a theory. You know, there was a lot of things. Like when we did go to marriage counseling to get a session in and I remember being asked like, oh, is love a choice? And I said yes, and he said no. And I think at that point, I probably should have delved a little bit more into that because like I said, at the end when I wanted to work on it, like I, I took my marriage seriously. Like I loved him enough to be open to whatever needed to happen, or I guess to just bottom line, at least try. I just, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things too where I've learned that in the past, his view of mental health has not always been a positive aspect. So I don't know if that was real. I did try to help him kind of get in to see a therapist, you know, even to the point of handing him a list of numbers and names, and that never went anywhere. At the end of the day, I don't think that we would have made it either way. Whether the cheating would have happened or not, I, or whether I found out about it or not, I think that we would have ended because in that environment, I did not thrive. I was very much focused on taking care of everybody else, definitely not taking care of myself. Um, I noticed that I have a lot less anxiety and depression and even physical health problems since we have physically been separated. It is a very strange thing um, to kind of come to the term that I don't think that he was home for me at all. I think that my feeling of home is not a great place. I think that it was more of a trauma bond. I think it was more of he actually triggered me and I didn't realize that that's what was happening to me throughout the relationship, seeking comfort in what was actually destroying me. <laughs> so it, it's a very, at the end, all comes back to me and my accountability and going back to, okay, why did I seek this? Why did I, you know, feel, you know, like I was safe and secure when I clearly wasn't safe and secure, you know, those kinds of things, because I can't sit there and just talk about what he did to me the whole, all the time or what I did to him. It has to be in the manner of going and doing the work on myself. Um, so, I mean, and you know, he really did show me like his true character because even after we were divorced, um, and separated, he was still contacting me, trying to hook up. 
you know, I did fall for that a little bit sometimes. And, but I had that intuition and I said, look, like if you're seeing somebody, leave me alone. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. He flat out blank, bluntly asked me if I would be willing to participate in something like that. And, you know, I don't think that it was even really something that I wanted. I think it was more of, well, if I do this, maybe he'll be a little bit nicer to me about my relationship with his daughter. Eventually, I did come to find out from someone that he did verbally tell somebody that he has a girlfriend. And that was several weeks before the last time that we actually hooked up. So I took that opportunity because I was broken all over again (laughs) to let him know that I no longer wanted anything to do with him. I was no longer willing to have a friendship with him in any capacity that what he was doing by like triangulating me with the girl that he cheated on me with was really just the line for me with disrespect and the lies and all of that kind of stuff, you know, to lie to me, to manipulate me, to get what he wanted. And I'm really a proponent of honesty because I feel like it's only right to be honest with me so that I can make decisions for myself based on that. But he doesn't want that. He doesn't want for people to make decisions that will go against his interests. It's very very self-serving. And like I said, it's not the kind of person that I want to have in my life. So I have 100% cut that off. There's been no contact for quite a while. And I definitely feel better about it. And I just let him know, like, I'll keep your dirty little secret of what's happened if you leave me alone and you leave my relationship with your daughter alone. Delete my number. Forget I existed. You see me? No, you didn't. You know, I'll do the same in regards to you. I am no longer and under any kind of ruse or idea that we could ever have any kind of real, genuine, authentic relationship for the sake of anything. He ended up with all three of our dogs and it's just a lot of stuff to work out and work through for me that I can't have him coming in and trying to manipulate and propel all of this stuff all over again. So divorce is messy, but it seems like you've come to a really good place in your life. But I would just love to know, like, what is the biggest lesson and the biggest takeaway you've been able to take from this experience? Like when you look back on everything you've learned, what has been the biggest character building part of all this? How have you been able to move on and and become better from it? This has been the experience for growth, for sure. At this point, you know, with this experience, it propelled that idea that, okay, this is a pattern for me. This is, I felt this way similarly before and it hurts and it sucks. And to be able to kind of recognize that and accept and acknowledge that it's okay to put myself first, to make myself a priority and to take care of myself. And I will have to work on trust and building that and being able to do that with another person again at some point in the future. Right now, I am trying to build the trust that I need to have with myself to be able to recognize these things going forward and to have that without a doubt feeling of I'm walking away from this and I'm not going to look back because I've seen what I've seen or felt what I felt and I know where that goes because it's, it is a habit for me to kind of hang on to things a little bit longer than necessary. So really what I'm taking away from all of this is all of the love that I'm learning to give myself. Tune in on Thursday for a conversation with me, Lexi and co-worker Justin. We are gonna be talking about attachment styles, healthy conflict, and so much more. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.